Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. We'll do a show for people with no attention span. It's the Bob and Cherry Show. It's six unshowered guys and a pale woman with a ukulele shouting hey in unison. And now, broadcasting from the palatial Bob and Cherry studios, it's Bob and Cherry. I thought it was so interesting, and it really it was it hit me kind of in an unexpected way when I saw that the Presley family is planning to have a public memorial service for Lisa Marie this coming Sunday at Graceland. So everyone is welcome to attend. It'll be at nine o'clock in the morning this Sunday, the 22nd on the front lawn at Graceland Mansion in Memphis. And they are asking that in lieu of flowers, um, if you want to make a donation to the Elvis Presley Charitable Foundation, that you can do so. Her, this family is so tragic and her death is so tragic and so soon. And she left young twin daughters behind that are devastated and I know everyone in the press is talking about how did she burn through all the money? I don't know. I don't know how you burn through $100 million. I think it probably is maybe a little bit easier than the rest of us understand when you've got private planes and multi-million dollar pieces of real estate. I don't know how you go through security. All that money. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. Um, but the whatever that is what her children will inherit. And it's going to be interesting to see now what happens with Graceland because Priscilla and Lisa Marie did a phenomenal job of sort of restoring it and making it relevant again. How much longer can, and I've been to Graceland cause I'd love, you know, I love me a good kitschy tourist attraction. I've got a zillion of them on my bucket list and I've been to Graceland. It was, and I'm not even an Elvis fan. And I was like sobbing toward the end of it cause it was so heart wrenching. What do you think? What do you think the future is for Graceland? That's a really good question. Because if you look back in time, who was the biggest singer of the 1920s? All right, so we're talking about 100 years ago. That I was I don't know. Probably a guy named Al Jolson, who uh, was in the first talking movie, The Jazz Singer. And he was, he was phenomenally uh, successful. And the car- they, they had cartoons that were made about him to see in movie theaters. Instead of Al Jolson, it would be Owl Jolson. That's how big he was. Nobody talks about him. No one knows about him these days. If I, if I got 20 people between the ages of 15 and 50, and I said, who's Al Jolson? I would say 90% of them would have zero idea. So the question is, Elvis has been gone quite a while already. In, a, in another 25 to 50 years, does he become a figure that is so um, hard to relate to that all of a sudden Graceland doesn't have the crowds going through it? The crowds were well, down uh, for a couple of years there. Part of it was COVID. COVID, yeah. I mean, yeah. we have to remember that there's going to be an asterisk on so many things um, for COVID. 
and the impact that COVID had. I, I will tell yeah. you that when we we took our kids to Graceland, we took the four youngest and mm-hmm. Uncle Sparkles and Rachel. And Olivia and Karamia had <coughs> not clue one who Elvis Presley was. To them, we were just visiting some house with wild decorating, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you've ever been through Graceland, it's a it's the house preserved as it was when Elvis was around. But it's also a museum and you learn a lot about not just about Elvis's career, but you really get like a taste of music history when you go through there. So they they enjoyed it, but it didn't mean anything to them at all. It could have been um, Elvis Presley's house, or it could have been your grandmother Shay Shay's house. It was just. But an I wonder experience. if the movie is going to uh, elongate his um, legend a little bit. I think it may, because so you, many I mean, people I want to so see too. that. That, and there's that a movie bump, was there's phenomenal. a bump in his uh, the sales of his music um, is that because right? of the movie. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that somewhere. So I think yeah, as long as that's kept alive, people have some kind of interest in it. Yeah, and and those movies that he made were not very good. Uh, a couple of them were okay. King Creole is is considered his best movie, but a lot of them were just silly. You know, Elvis uh, singing in a bar to a bunch of girls, and their next movie, Elvis singing on the beach to a bunch of girls, but it's funny. Um, they're, they're running a lot of them on, uh, like Netflix and HBO because of the Elvis movie. And I stopped and, and pulled up a couple of them that I, I don't even, I hadn't seen in, in, since I was a kid. And I fast forward through the actual story to one of his musical numbers to watch that guy move and to watch that guy sing and command the camera and the audience, somebody should just take all of his his music and dance numbers and put them together in a best of movie. I would sit there and watch it. I don't, I don't care about the story of those things, but he was amazing to watch on screen when he, you know, was doing dance numbers with Anne Margaret and 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 just his uh, the hit songs or the movie songs that he sang. It's a good question, Sherry. I don't know. I mean, I could see maybe 200 years from now there's such a fascination, but I don't think so. I think it's maybe done in another 50 years. Do we have anything that's even close to Graceland for a performer who, I don't want to use the word forgotten, but whose fans have moved on? Prince. No, but that doesn't predate Graceland. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant. Did they? Is there other? Are there other places of deceased performers? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, um, let's pause here because we talked about a place in Vegas that um, was attached to Siegfried and Roy the magicians. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have news about that place, and it's another one of these haunting little touristy bits of Americana that is fading away because the stars that it memorializes are fading away. Straight ahead, it's Bob and Sherry. At the Bob and Sherry Show, we've decided to make every day Catterday, and you can get in on the fun. Just submit a picture of your cat or you and your cat at our website, bobandsherry.com. 
our big boss, Tony Garcia, assures us you could win a valuable, special, really expensive prize. You want to say that one more time without the sarcasm? That's BobandSherry.com. Hit the contest tab. Every day is Catter Day with the Bob and Sherry Show. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate happy hour, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Tonight, it's Bob and Sherry. So Siegfried and Roy, the famous Las Vegas magicians who dominated the strip and the entertainment scene in the city for a very, very long time, had a spot at the Mirage called the Secret Garden, the Mirage Hotel and Casino. And the Secret Garden was a habitat for the animals that Siegfried and Roy worked with the big cats, the dolphins, um, whatever. They lived at the secret garden and you could visit Siegfried and Roy's animals. And after that terrible tiger attack that mauled, you know, that nearly killed Roy and Siegfried and Roy were no longer performing, all of their animals moved into this secret garden habitat at the Mirage. Well, the Mirage Casino was recently purchased by the Hard Rock Cafe. And there was talk that it was going to be demolished, but then it turns out, Hard Rock is just going to renovate the Mirage. And the Mirage is one of those um, Vegas casinos that's been around for a really long time so that when you walk inside, you're like, this was the shizzle in 1981, yeah. <laughs> right? But it's not it's not yeah. state-of-the-art like Vegas pizzazz right, right. or whatever you would say now. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's still a pretty cool building. Well, I ever since we talked about the Secret Garden on the show – I was like, I have got to see this. I, this is my kind of thing. I must make a pilgrimage to the Secret Garden. And luckily, anytime I go to visit my family out west, I have to fly through Vegas. And the Mirage is a short drive from the Vegas airport. So I go, and there's a sign at the Secret Garden. And it says, the Secret Garden is temporarily closed. And, and I knew that the Mirage was going to shut it down permanently. I was just hoping I could catch it. So I'm standing there, and, I'm re- and I said out loud, temporarily closed? And a woman walks over to me, a Mirage employee, and she said, well, it's closed forever. And I said, what do you mean it's closed forever? And she, and this was before the Mirage had announced the closing date. Yeah, right? So yeah. they, uh-huh. they soft closed it. <clears throat> I said, what do you mean it's closed forever? And she said, um, Hard Rock Cafe doesn't want it here. And they're rehoming all of the animals. And I said, but what about all of the people that work with the animals? What's going to happen to them? And this woman burst into tears and said, thank you for asking. No one ever asks about us. And the next thing you know, I have her in my arms and she's crying. And I'm hugging her. I'm hugging her. And I was like, I'm so sorry. When was this, by the way? This was um, December. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So recently. Yeah, over the holidays. I'm so sorry. I I feel terrible. She's like, there aren't that many jobs for dolphin trainers in the desert, which I thought was an accurate (laughs) statement that I could not argue with. (laughs) I have to laugh at that. So, you know, never was a truer statement ever uttered. (laughs) So she said some of the people who worked in the facility had already been kind of reassigned by the casino, but the, the people that were the animal people the animal people have to find animal jobs right so we talked a little bit and 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 i said was it just really wonderful working here and she said it was so wonderful don't believe anything you hear 
these animals were loved and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, do you have an iPhone? And I was like, yeah. And she said, let me airdrop you something. And she airdropped me a video of one of the dolphins playing in the pool. The, mm-hmm. the exhibit is closed, but the animals are still in there. And she yeah. said this was just yesterday. And there's this dolphin bouncing balls and stuff on its nose. And her name was Tammy. And uh, we hugged and I wished her luck and, and went on my way. And so, you know, you think about that and you think about Graceland and eventually Paisley well, Park. Nothing forever. Of- no, when you think about a person like that who obviously grew up loving animals and all of a sudden she's got her dream job. She's working with dolphins and uh, watching people enjoy the dolphins. I have mixed feelings about dolphins in captivity, by the way. But anyway, she got, she got the job that she wanted and now it's no longer there. To, to find another job like that is going to be next to impossible these days. You know, it's, well, it's like pe- people who graduate from art school and, and they land the job as a uh, curator at a, an art museum. They never leave that job because there's only a few of them. Uh, I think that's probably the same thing with these folks. And this, these people, a lot of those employees at the Secret Garden had been there for a very, very long time. Because mm-hmm. you think about how long Siegfried and Roy ruled the strip. Yeah, right. So, yeah, everything ends. You know, everything ends. It's true. All right, straight ahead. We got morons in the news. We got us a good old boy tearing up the countryside on a stolen tractor. Woo! I cannot wait to bring you this one. It's Bob and Sherry. Morons in the news brought to you by Lowe's. Shop in store or online at Lowe's.com. Bob and Sherry. You see, that's all I could come up with because I'm an idiot with morons in the news. I am looking at a picture from a security camera of a guy with a navy blue long sleeve shirt. He's got gloves on. He's got a uh, like a bandana, like a Stephen Van Zandt bandana and uh, a mask over his face with sunglasses. And of course, he's holding a gun. He is at a Circle K in Louisiana, a convenience store in Louisiana. He evidently walked into the Circle K. I don't have a lot of detail here, but I got to tell you the story because I love the ending. And he put a walked into the Circle K, put down a $20 bill on the counter and asked for change. When the clerk opened the cash drawer, the man pulled out his gun and said, give me all the cash in the register now, which the clerk promptly provided. So the $20 bill that he put down, you know, that was a ruse to get her to hit the uh, to hit the cash register and pull out the money. So he took the money the clerk gave him and fled from the Circle K. He left the $20 bill on the counter. The total amount of cash he got was $15. He lost five bucks on the deal. It cost him money to be a robber. It cost him money. He lost $5 (laughs) on the robbery. That's when you know you're bad at it. When it costs you money to be a robber. You're so bad. Yeah. He would have made more money working at the convenience store than stealing from it. Yeah, and yeah, not this be a wanted very, man. Very, very inept moron. Yes. Yeah. Today's moron of the day is um, one of my favorite of all time. It comes to us out of Boone, North Carolina, and it's the story of Ronnie Hicks. As soon as I knew his name was Ronnie Hicks, I knew <laughs> yeah. he was in for a good time. <laughs> That's a great good time name. Ronnie stole a big old John Deere tractor and oh. took it on a joyride trying to hit pedestrians. This is at 9 o'clock in the morning, by the way. This is not in the middle of the night. 
He led cops on a low-speed chase down Highway 421 <laughs> as the tractor. The tractor only gets up to 20 miles an hour, but here's the detail that makes Ronnie Hicks a legend <laughs> in Morons in the News. He was blasting the theme song from the TV show Dukes of Hazard the whole time. No, he was not. Yes, sir, buddy. He was. He was As trying he to be led, like them Duke boys. Them Duke boys. As he led Boone law enforcement on that 20 mile an hour low speed chase. I mean, he clipped a cop car. I told you he tried to run over um, pedestrians. And for listeners who are unfamiliar with Dukes of Hazard, it was on in like, I don't know, the late 70s to the mid 80s. Yeah, yeah. And right. it was the story of two cousins, Bo and Luke Duke. And they lived in the country in Georgia, and they was on probation for running moonshine. And they were always trying to get away from Boss Hogg and Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. Mr. Hicks did not explain to the arresting officers why he was blasting the Dukes of Hazard theme song. But if you watch the show, you know that the opening sequence is a wild police chase. And you see the the car, Bo and Luke's car, which I think was called the General Lee. Yeah, Am I it that was. Right? Yeah, you it see had, the General Lee going airborne. flag. On, on, yeah. Didn't it have a have a rebel flag on the roof? It did. Uh, roof? Yeah, on the roof. Yeah, yeah. it did. You know, uh, it's funny. You could not run that show today just because of that. Oh yeah. I don't think. All of it. The name of the car. Of what's on the top? There's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff that. Uh-uh. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Huh. Well, I guess they got him, didn't they? They did get Ronnie Hooks, but here they have not yet, um, at least when I pulled the police report, they hadn't yet figured out what all to charge him with um, because there's so much. There's vandalism and reckless endangerment and, of course, you know, larceny and blasting the Dukes of Azure theme song at 9 o'clock in the morning. I have been on that road. And when you said low speed chase, I can imagine what that looked like. Hey, I got to tell point, you, though, the name Ronnie Hicks would fit right in with that TV show. I told you. And at one yeah. point, for anyone that's going, oh, he's just a good old boy having fun. Well, he turned the tractor onto a private road and hit a dead end. At that point, he jumped off the stolen John Deere and began menacing law enforcement with a knife. See, Ronnie Hicks does not know when to say when, y'all. He does not know (laughs) when to say when. So they tasered him, and they brought him into custody. But I don't know that the cops would have had much of a sense of humor about any of this, but the minute he came at them with a blade, that was it for Mr. Ronnie Hicks. He is today's moron of the day, and you guys, hold on to something, because we've got video. We're posting it right now on the Bob and Sherry Facebook. It's Bob and Sherry. Happy Hour, tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. I've got two interesting tidbits about Shakira, the singer Shakira's divorce. The first one is how she knew her husband was cheating. She had been out of town for work, and when she came home, her jar of strawberry jam was almost empty. And her husband had never eaten strawberry jam in his life. He wouldn't touch it. He thought it was gross. So who ate Shakira's jam, which is probably going to be the title of her next hit song. So that was how she knew that he had had another woman in the house. Here's the second little tidbit. Um, His parents lived next door to Shakira. 
She's bounced him from the house. He's a professional soccer player, a footballer in Europe terms. So she's bounced him from the house, but his parents live next door. Um, and she is blasting her music, and the, the in-laws are complaining. So now Shakira <laughs> is building a giant wall between their two houses. And oh, and by the way, the song she's blasting is a new one she's written that takes a shot at him and his new girlfriend, who's um, 23 years old, whose name is Clara Chia. If your name is Clara Chia and you're having a thing with Shakira's husband, you had to know there was going to be a hit dance tune coming for you. And there is. And so now the in-laws are outraged. Shakira's ticked. And the construction industry in Barcelona is rubbing their hands together with glee because it's a giant renovation. Now the houses, her house and the house of her former in-laws, are not just next door to each other, but they're connected by some hallways and I guess some tunnels. So all of those have to be dynamite closed. What a mess. So let this be a word of advice to you, cheaters. Don't let your side action eat your partner's favorite food or you're going to get caught. Coming up, it's Throwback Thursday and we're going to celebrate in classic Everyone Needs a Laugh style with comedian John Pinette. It's Bob and Sherry. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Everyone Needs a Laugh is brought to you by HelloFresh. Use code Bob and Sherry 22 at HelloFresh.com slash Bob and Sherry 22. It is time now for Everyone Needs a Laugh, and it's our Throwback Thursday Classic Edition with the legendary, the late, the great John Pignette. Personal trainer, I remember the first day at the gym. I was nervous. People were staring at me, not because I was out of shape. I wore a black velour Sean John sweatsuit. I, I, I should have looked in the mirror. I look like a panda. People were fascinated. I didn't know you could get this close to them. I had one trainer work out. I have to learn how to take instruction better. I really do. I'm working on it. One trainer said to me, give me a sit up. I said, oh, nay, nay. I don't do ups. Sit ups, push ups, pull ups. I do down. Sit down, lay down. Blackjack, I'll double down. Give me a cheeseburger, I'll wolf it down. 
get down, drop it like a cock. But I don't do ups. Ups defy gravity. Gravity is a law. I obey the law. One trainer took me to a 60-minute workout and he said, once you start, you get addicted. I don't think so. Pretty sure I can quit this anytime I want. I think I can quit the gym cold turkey, then eat the cold turkey. And one trainer would make me lift all these weights. He wanted to get results really fast. And that wasn't necessary. Just for me to be at the gym lifting weights is a miracle. He wanted to like have results in six weeks that I could see. That, so he would make things really heavy. I would lift something 15 times, really heavy. And, and, and he would put on more weight. No! I lifted it up, I did good, you should take weight off. I should get a cheese dating for lifting that son of a bitch at 15 times. trainer, she would say to me, how do you feel? All during the workout. How do you feel? Good. How do you feel? Good. Do more stuff. How, how do you feel? Good. Good. How do you feel? I feel like God is punishing me, and if I'm a better person, he'll send an angel down with a chicken pot pie and a cupcake. Now don't let me again. I do this elliptical machine, and I can do like a half hour, 45 minutes, and that's a miracle, but I still don't think healthy. I see other people on the machines, and they're thinking healthy. They're thinking, after I do this, maybe I'll do free weights. I hope there's a Pilates class. I'm thinking, if I do 45 minutes and live, I'm gonna have raviolis and a nap. Come on. Raviolis and a nap, raviolis and a nap, raviolis and a nap. One lady said to me, you're sweating, you're burning fat. Oh good, I hope it's a control burn, because if this baby goes up all at once, there's gonna be a mushroom cloud over this chip. friends took me to a yoga class. The Bikram yoga, where they heat the room to like a thousand degrees. I started to smell dumplings and there was no Chinese restaurant around. My pop-up timer is going to go off in a minute. And I think yoga is a wonderful mind-body experience for people, I really do. But there's no beginner's yoga. Take your head and stick it in your ass. That giant ball. I, I look like a baby holding it. That is the one and only John Pignette. Man, we miss that guy. Yeah. We're going to post that set up at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. This is Bob and Sherry. Happy hour tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Go into the chapel and we're gonna get married. 
So let me speak directly to the women in our audience right now. How many times have you turned down a wedding proposal? According to what I'm reading here, and this is out of a newspaper in England, so I guess they'd be about the same as, as we would be. About one in four women have turned down at least one proposal during their life. So I read that and I thought, of all the women that you've discussed this with, and usually it just comes up in casual conversation, out of the blue, but I can think of three, possibly four women that I've discussed that with just, you know, in conversations about your past. And then it, it comes up, yeah, I was, uh, this, this guy or that guy uh, asked me to marry him and I thought about it and then I decided not to, or I said no immediately. I found that the women I've had discussions with uh, averaged about four turndowns. Wow. Yeah. You are, well, you do date the popular girls, don't you? Wow. Yeah. Um, four one of my, one of my really um, bad uh, habits that I, I do need to break is if you ask me to marry you, I, I, it just seems easier to say yes than risk hurting your feelings. <laughs> You know, I think that is more common than we would guess. Seriously. Now, I, I was in a couple of relationships where, you know, they were talking about it. And I knew that that's, that was nothing that I wanted. So I, I broke up before we got to the proposal point. When, when you started to feel that, did you break up right away? Or did you try to steer the conversations and relationship just into a more uh, casual um, well, I made, you know, I made sure that I understood where things were headed. It wasn't like some guy said, and you know, if things keep going the way they're going, I'm going to propose I'm out of here. I never want to see you again. Like it wasn't that, but as soon as, as soon as it seemed like, okay, this is heading in a direction that I don't want it to go. Then I ended it. But mm -hmm. I mean, I've never had somebody drop to their knee and flash me some hardware. And then I would say, no, I've, I've never had that experience. Yeah. Um, I remember one or two of the women that I'm referring to, the guy showed up with a ring and, um, in a couple of instances, they were so, uh, taken aback, they smiled and kind of intimated that they would go ahead. And then along the path, they, they said, you know, I just can't do this. I just, I just can't do this. The reasons, according to this article, number one reason is I'm not, sh I'm not certain he was the one. The second one was it just didn't feel right. You know, uh, the one I, it just didn't feel right. That to me is an important, maybe the most important one. If it just doesn't feel right, baby, then don't do it. But that's, you know, that's so, that's one of those things that it's really easy to say, but there are people, everything's more complicated than that. Because sometimes you can think to yourself, well, it doesn't feel right, but is that me? Do I have unrealistic expectations? Am I, am I holding out for some Hollywood ending that doesn't exist? You know what I mean? Like, this is a oh, really I know nice, what you good mean. person. I, I, I know what you mean, but those things are buttressing um, what is probably a bad decision. Because if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel great, why would you do it? Nothing else matters if it doesn't feel good. Unless, you know, well, you're, you're saying this guy's loaded and I'm a gold digger and I'm going to marry him for that reason. And that's a whole different oh, no. ball game. 
I know, Bob, I take out the garbage and pay my taxes and that feels like crap and I do it. Like there's a lot of stuff in this life that you do and you're like, well, this doesn't feel great, but maybe this is what grownups do. I mean, I married one of them because I thought, well, girl, isn't it just time you grew up and accepted that life is not this fairy tale that's in your head? It, you know, there, like there, there's more to it than, than just, oh, does this feel amazing? I think. Yeah. That expression, I, uh, I married one of them. That's one you ought to just kind of get rid of. I know I've tried. Yeah, listen, I cannot, I've made a lot of decisions about, um, not just the year 2023, but going forward. And I am, I just cannot kid myself. Like, I'm going to be honest about like some of the, the worst decisions I've made in hopes that I don't repeat them over and over again. Yeah, right. you know, I married one of them because it seemed like it was just time to grow up and do a grown-up sort of a thing. Here are the rest of the reasons people used for turning down a marriage proposal. Again, these are women. Uh, I didn't want to get married, which I think is a strong one. Uh, it didn't feel like they meant it. I didn't think we'd been in a relationship long enough. We'd already split up, and they were trying to win me back. Ooh. That one is just completely filled with danger, I think. Um, the next one, I was worried about what other people would think. Oh, come on. I didn't think we could afford it. That's interesting. I thought it was a joke. And finally, I didn't think my partner was taking it seriously enough. That, was, that last one, give me a little meat on that one. You don't think your partner's taking it seriously enough? Yeah, uh, um, I'm, I'm just... I've never been in that situation, but, um, you know, maybe somebody, all his friends got married, all the guy's friends are married, and he's always kidding about, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to tie the knot one of these days. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're, at, we're just having fun right now. And then he has a couple of beers, and it's like, you know what, babe, we ought to go to Vegas. And, you know, that's not taking it seriously enough. Well, especially if what you have in mind is something way more traditional, right? Listen, it's the most important thing you can do in your life financially. Take it very seriously. Who you choose to marry is going to have a direct impact on what you end up with at the end of the race. Oh, so, I thought you meant the wedding is one of the most important decisions. And it is. You guys, Bob is right. The wedding is a very important decision. And you may only have three or four. So you definitely want to make good choices each and every single time. <laughs> No, but I, I'm saying who you ch if you choose to be married, who you're marrying, that person is going to have a direct uh, impact on, I, I'm not even talking about your happiness overall or, you know, your love life or whatever. I'm talking about how many bucks you're going to have in the bank. It's, it, and it, it, joining forces, you could have a lot more. Or if it doesn't work out well, you could end up not in a good situation. So it's serious. You got to take it seriously, too. It's Bob and Sherry. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate happy hour, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Tonight, it's Bob and Sherry. And now on the Bob and Sherry Show, it's another exciting episode of Things Bob Didn't Know. I have never heard the name Suzanne Salter. Suzanne Salter was a person who was involved in society in 1887. A group of men hated the idea that women were getting involved in politics and decided to pull a prank. So they submitted a list of candidate names from the Women's Christian Temperance Union. 
That was the organization back then that was pushing to get the vote for women. They thought that no man would vote for a female mayor. They wanted to humiliate the women of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Susanna did not know about the prank until the local Republican Party sent representatives to her house to see if she was actually running for office. She thought about it, and then she said, yeah, yeah, I am. She became the first female mayor in American history, Argonia, Kansas. And listen to this. She won 60% of the vote, which meant there were a whole bunch of guys who were voting for her. The first woman mayor in America, and they thought it was a prank, and they were going to make fun of her. Backfired. Ha, um, ha, look- ha, 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 ha. I know. I'm looking at a picture of an enormous fireplace, and over the fireplace, the wall, it's a brick wall, has all sorts of burns. It's brown and black, and it goes up like two stories. It is the kitchen of Henry VIII at Hampton Court in England. The staff, this is why I, I threw this in here, the staff of Henry VIII had to produce over 800 meals a day for the king and all of his friends and visitors. 800 meals a day. Back then. Back then. Well, and you know that that was, as jobs go for your exhausted peasants, that was a good one. Because the kitchen was warm and you never went hungry. Right. right. If you worked in the king's kitchen, but 800 meals a day, that's like working in in some giant banquet hotel every yeah, day, every day, catering every day. A, like four weddings right. every single day. Wow. Yeah, it was a good job. Unless, of course, Henry, uh, you know, caught caught your look and he liked it and wanted to marry you to be the wife of Henry the eighth. Not such a good job long term. Never. I'm looking at a woman who's in a newspaper picture and she is holding what appears to be a flip phone. And the picture is from a newspaper called the Mansfield News Journal. I think it's Mansfield, Connecticut. And it says someday Mansfielders will carry their telephones in their pockets. When do you think this picture was taken? The woman is standing there with what looks like a flip phone. And has a big 19, smile on her face. 1951. 63. 1963. Don't expect it to be available tomorrow. Frederick Huntsman, telephone company commercial manager, says, this telephone is far in the future commercially, but it will be coming our way. 1963. So how many years later? When did the uh, first uh, cell phone a small one, handheld, that you could just carry around. When was it, that? That didn't look like a brick? That yeah. didn't look like a brick, yeah. 90s. Yeah, probably, probably 90s. Late, yeah, I yeah, think you're right. Late. Yeah. Okay, 90s, I'm looking yeah. at a woman right now who has a great big smile on her face. It's a great photograph in black and white. She's on crutches, but she's smiling. Even though she's on crutches, she's smiling. And she's standing next to a fellow that looks like he may be um, her husband. Her name is Betty Lou Oliver. And Betty Lou survived a 75-story plunge in an elevator in the Empire State Building in 1945. 
she got into the elevator and the thought that has occurred to everybody who's ever been in a tall building with an elevator, it actually happened. It snapped and that elevator went down 75 floors and hit the ground. What was the secret of how she survived it? The article doesn't say. It's mostly just, you know, saying, take a look at this picture in this woman. But she's got this big smile on her face. Obviously, her, you know, she was messed up pretty badly, but uh, she survived. This, this next story in Things Bob Didn't Know, this is hard for me to believe. But it's, it's in a reliable um, history uh, site that I go to once in a while. The official record of the number of children born to one mother is a woman in Shuya, Russia. The year was somewhere between 1725 and 1765. They're not sure exactly where, uh, at what time. They have no pictures. They have no pictures of this woman. They only have a written history. <clears throat> she gave birth to 16 pairs of twins seven sets of triplets and four sets of quadruplets quadruplets over 27 separate hours of labor grand total 69 children 69 children 69 <laughs> children you know what though um, TLC is not going to give anybody a show called 69 and counting I can promise you <laughs> not at this point I just know uh, it. Bob <laughs> can I tell you one other thing you didn't know yeah. And I just, for whatever reason, I happen to know this. That woman yeah. that survived that fall in the elevator, she, yeah. that was the Empire State Building. A plane had crashed into the Empire State Building earlier that day, and she survived that as well. Did, I wonder if the plane had anything to do with the elevator. That I don't know. I bet it did. Isn't I that never, something? Wow. She survived at that point. If you survived those two things in the same day, you would know God had some kind of plan for you, and you oh, would yeah. never be able to just spend a day staring at Netflix again. No, You'd be like, I can't. Right. I've got to go out and do something with my life. You had a purpose. That's right. So that's it. Things Bob didn't know. This is Bob and Sherry. Happy hour tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. So we were talking about the uh, artificial intelligence robot in the horror movie Megan which I think Lamar reviewed Megan and sort of liked Megan. He did like it. Yeah. He did. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Megan, uh, she is earning herself a spot next to Chucky and Annabelle in the creepy doll hall of fame. She plays a robot and it's artificial intelligence. And her whole purpose is to protect a little child. But of course she becomes evil and uh, overreacts to certain situations and people die. So um, I'm looking at a picture of her right now that was posted by somebody along with actresses that look just like Megan. Megan has long, honey blonde hair. Not real blonde blonde, but uh, that kind of honey blonde, dirty blonde. And a ex- beautiful face and an expression that is as blank as it gets and I'm looking at three actresses who could be her doubles. Do you have any idea who it is? And there's one that I picked out of the blue. As soon as I saw Megan's face, I said, oh, she looks exactly like. Who do you think it is? I thought when I saw the ad for Megan that she looked like um, the girl from Euphoria, Cindy Sweeney. 
But then she also kind of looks like Amanda Seyfried. Yes. I don't know who the third one would be. The third one, you just got two out of the three. Wow. No. You, you, wow. You, you, you nailed two out of the three. Yeah, especially Amanda uh, Siegfried. Um, the one that I chose was Elizabeth Olsen of the Olsen twins. Okay, I can see it. The Olsen twins always have that. I, I hate to say it. I got nothing against the Olsen twins, but they always have that sort of pissy look on their face, just like the doll. And they're little, just like the doll. And and facially, I mean, it's you, you really kind of say, did the movie producers kind of use her as an example? But that's good, Sherry. You got two out of three right off the top. Good for you. My first thought was that is Cindy Swe- Sydney Sweeney. And then mm-hmm. the more I looked, the more I saw the other. Elizabeth Olsen, yeah. you're right. Wow. I can't wait to yeah. see that. Yeah. It's Bob and Sherry. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code Radio 10. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Happy Hour, tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. It's talkback time. You can use the phone like an old-school grown-up by calling 844-52-SHERRY. That's 844-52-SHERRY. Or if you have our app, which is free in Google Play and the Apple Store, if you look on the screen, there's a little cartoon microphone in the bottom center. Tap it and talk, and the app will do the rest. Hey, guys. Enjoy your show. I listen to you every morning on my way to work. I live here in West Columbia, South Carolina. Um, just checking in, and because I heard that Sherry's been to Helen, Georgia, which I've been there too quite a few times on vacation. But I'm wondering if she's ever been to Tiger, Georgia, and been to Goats on a Roof. It's a really neat place where there's actually goats on the roof, and you can feed them. There's a little ramp that goes up that goats walk up and it's just a really neat experience I remember the first time I saw it I about rolled over laughing I had never seen anything like it and I grew up in the country so <laughs> if you've never been that's somewhere you need to go just to visit if you're ever back down this way I would I, like listen, to see that I have been to Goats on the Roof probably two dozen times you are kidding me. No. Why have you no. Why have you not mentioned it before? I don't recall you mentioning it. Goats on the roof. Kevin and his family used to have a house up on Lake Rabin in Georgia, and that is near the Tallulah Gorge where Deliverance was filmed. So we mm-hmm. used to go hiking and swimming in, in the gorge. Goats on the roof is right there. We would go to Goats on the Roof and feed the goats. And there's a little shop and they have ice cream and they have a giant fire pit where you can roast marshmallows. I have so many pictures of my kids 
Growing Up at Goats on the Roof. And Tiger, Georgia is the home of a legendary drive-in movie theater, the Tiger Drive-In. And I've been to that, too. I love that part of the world. It's gorgeous. And if you are within driving distance of Tallulah Gorge, you must go and hike down into the gorge. There's all these boulders you climb over, and then you get to this enormous flat rock that you can slide on and swim. It's so fun, but it's strenuous getting down and it's strenuous getting back. So it's if you've ever watched Deliverance, um, you too will be squealing like a hog as you make that climb up in ninety percent humidity. I did that in August at Tallulah. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the 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 goats on the roof attraction just naturally happened, and the people's you know people had this roof, and the goats had access, and all of a sudden, hey, they got some goats on our roof. Or if they said, there's just nothing going on out here. It's very rural. Uh, how are we going to make some money? How are we going to uh, start a business out here? Let's it's get a, a couple question. of goats up on the roof. Goats on the roof. And there's another um, wildlife place you can visit, too, not too far down the road from Goats on the Roof. So Goats on the Roof, it's a it's a tourist stop, right? So it's a gift shop and food and all that. But the way that the building is designed, there are all these various goat habitats and enclosures and then rope bridges and ladders and sort of tunnely things and the oh. goats can come out of the enclosure. They can climb up on the roofs, including the roof of the building. Um, and there are all these places where you can like put a quarter in the machine and get a cup of goat food or whatever. And goats <laughs> immediately, as soon as goats learn that there's a possibility they'll be fed, those goats will do almost anything to get to get some. Goat yeah, food. yeah. What a, what a great thing to take fun. little kids to see. I mean, especially if, if the kid is like six years old. So, you know, he or she kind of knows what's going on in the world and knows that a goat on a roof is is weird. That That's the age to take a kid there. I'm going to do it, that with my grandchildren. It was the ultimate for because Karen me as a nickname when she was little was gift shop because that kid we could if there was a gift shop, she'd tour a landfill. OK, like as long as she could have a souvenir. So um, when I take them to that part of the world for the first time, I was like, there's this beautiful lake and we're going to go out on this lake and ride on inner tubes and we're going to hike down into this breathtaking gorge. It's going to be the most amazing thing. And I'm describing all of these natural wonders. And oh, yeah, there's this place where they have goats on the roof. Immediate ears picked up, heads swiveled, goats on the roof. And that was it. I could have I could have showed them the Grand Canyon. All they wanted was goats on the roof. It almost sounds like a drink in a bar, doesn't it? I'll have a goats on the uh, roof. I'll, you, make I'll that. tell you what. If it was a drink, you dare not have more than two. <laughs> doesn't, <laughs> doesn't a drink called goats on the roof sound like something that will yes. knock you down? I love that. So, That's so great. fun. That's great. Yeah, you should definitely take the kids there. And you can rent the town that, that is closest to goats on the roof, everybody, is called Clayton, Georgia. There's an old hotel that you can stay at that's like super haunted and fun. There's a great downtown with really fun restaurants and stores and oh, they're always having like little festivals and stuff. It's freaking adorable. And there's goats on the roof. If that is not <laughs> yep, enough you for you, I, you need help. You know, you really yeah, need to, yeah. you need to get yourself seen. All right. Coming up, there's a job opening in New York City and the description says you need to be a little bit bloodthirsty. What kind of job could this be? It's coming up. It's Bob and Sherry. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate. Happy hour, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Tonight, it's Bob and Sherry. 
You know, no matter where you live, which state you live in, there are probably some towns in your home state that you heard of when you were a young person and you never went there because you were 10. You could not drive there. Plus, there was no reason to go there. But you would hear, you know, on the TV news or something, uh, maybe it was historical town or something like that. And you said, oh, yeah, I got an idea, but I've never been there. Chester, Connecticut is one of those places for me. I've, I've never been there. Uh, but I heard about it as a kid, and it's a charming place. About 3,300 souls live there. It's a village, and they have a little village square, and it's everything you think it would be with a New England village. And I was just reading about what one artist is doing in Chester, Connecticut. If you're a visitor to downtown Chester, they have a 12-foot-high redwood and glass wish booth. And you direct your wishes straight to the universe. You step inside the 42 by 42 inch interior of a converted phone booth is is what it is. And you pick up the receiver and you will hear a one minute recording that ends with, after this bell, speak your wishes here. And then you wish for whatever it is you're wishing for. And it's recorded. And, of course, in the mind of the artist, whose name is Christopher Owens, your wish goes out into the universe, and who knows, maybe it will happen. You know, sometimes when you do more than just hold it inside, uh, when, when you speak it out, things do happen. I mean, remember when I was working in a factory getting ready <clears throat> to go to college, I did not want to work in this factory anymore, and I wrote down, I need a job in radio, and I put it in my wallet. And for a, almost a year, it was in there. And then I finally, you know, went and applied to a station, you know, a little small state. And I got the job. So I had a better job, you know, putting myself through college. Uh, the, the, this booth is the brainchild. So that's, that's the concept. The booth is the brainchild of Christopher Owens, who has been brought to tears by some of the anonymously recorded wishes. And he believes the booth helps to bring hope. And our source here is the Connecticut Insider, which is, I think, an online uh, newspaper. I think this is really an un- a really cool idea. You know, I mean, if you were just traveling through that little town for whatever reason and you saw the wish booth, wouldn't you be tempted to go over there oh, and check yeah. out what it was? Is he collecting all of the recorded wishes? Because that would make for an interesting social post like feed wouldn't it like if that was on an instagram i would look at that every day or a book yeah. even you know yeah you know just and the wishes privacy the wishes are not just from townspeople because there are so many little villages that tourists go through during the summer especially in connecticut really year-round that there are probably wishes from people from all over the country maybe the world i just think it's a great idea the next time i go to see friends there i'm going to I'm going to drive to Chester and see that. Um, I I was thinking when I read this, what would I wish for? And I guess some of them are silly, you know, but some of them evidently, if this guy is brought to tears, are probably heartfelt. I think my wish would be, I would have two, uh, because, of course, that's me. My first wish would be for a successful end to the Ukrainian war and for my being uh, closer 
to the Almighty. What would you wish for, Sherry? Well, now I feel really petty. You can wish. Like, no, don't. God, I sure would like one of those old-fashioned Elvis-style jelly donuts right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're over here wishing for the board. You know, you're right. That is kind of petty compared really to petty. getting closer to the Almighty. That's true. Yeah. Max, what would you wish for in the wishing? Don't even tell well, him because you know you're going to look terrible. Geez, you know, the first thing that came to mind was um, I would like money to get the front end work done on my car because the, <laughs> car. because it's 25 years old. And when the mechanic shakes his head and says, I don't know if I can get this part. Meanwhile, Doc's over <laughs> no, there going, okay. here's my wish. Go to the break. Can't you hear the <laughs> shut up music? <laughs> <laughs> Straight ahead, anyway. if you're bloodthirsty, we got a gig for you in New York City. It's Bob and Sherry. Can you believe this is brought to you by Staples, the working and learning store? You read it once. I don't believe that. And then you read it again. I can't believe this. It's Bob and Sherry's. I don't believe this. Shit. I cannot believe this. Shit. New year, new career. I came upon a job posting that's going to be perfect for somebody out there. Um, it's the city of New York. And they have posted an opening for what they are calling a, quote, somewhat bloodthirsty person who is not opposed to wholesale slaughter to be New York City's new rat czar. Mm. And the job posting also calls for an individual with, quote, a general aura of badassery because the city needs to wage a mighty battle against these rodents. Um, the salary's pretty good, depending on your experience being a bloodthirsty rodent annihilator. You could make anywhere from one hundred and twenty to one hundred seventy thousand dollars a year. That's good money. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's and you impressive. know, once upon a time, a certain radio legend that I know was a, an exterminator's assistant in the rat removal business. You know, the path not taken. Bob, look at this. This could have been yeah, you. It's well, not really. There's probably a big difference between my going into uh, an empty warehouse and picking up dead rat carcasses from the poison the day puppies. before and actually running a large uh, department. Here's what else the posting says. Quote, the ideal candidate is highly motivated and somewhat bloodthirsty, determined to look at all solutions from various angles, including improving operational efficiency, data collection, technology, and wholesale slaughter. So the <laughs> boy, I tell you, they're being upfront about it, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Apparently, the rodent population has really exploded. I mean, it's always it's been a problem. It's always yeah. been a problem in New York City. No, the during last the COVID. The, yeah, the, the last COVID three period, years. Mm -hmm. Pizza rat went viral. Remember the rat that was seen mm -hmm. scurrying yeah. with a whole piece of pizza in its paws. They have spent millions and millions of dollars under former administrations to deal with rats. They've, um, they've increased trash pickups. They've done housing inspections. They've tried a number of techniques to eradicate the rats, which I will not go into because even though I'm a little bit bloodthirsty, I ain't this bloodthirsty. So they want someone to become the public face of the city's war on rats. That, I think that's an ask. I think it's a big ask to say to someone, we need you to be the face of our war on rats. And, and the job post goes on to say that New York City's rats are cunning, voracious, and prolific, legendary for their survival skills, but they don't run this city. We do. 
I hope they can get it together. I really do because New York is a great city and it's just been struggling with so many things of late partial partially because some folks are moving out and there's some open, you know, stores where there used to be actual businesses. It's still a great city to visit. It's always number one on people's bucket lists to see. But boy, this rat thing is terrible and it's not helping with the image. Can, they can, do need to get a handle on it. Can I tell you, it. I, I don't used know how to work, do it. I used to work cooking in an Irish Jewish restaurant called O'Brien's Steins. Yes, it yeah. really existed. And the guys who would come in who were the exterminator guys, they were all yeah. ex-military. And when they really? would come in the re- so they would come into the restaurant after we got shut down for the evening. They all yeah. came in in fatigues and acted like it was a commando action. They came wow. in there and it was like you got out of their way because they were so serious about this. And they were really good at what they did. Wow. So, I've never heard of an extermination company quite like that. That's impressive. Well, you're up against New York City's rats, and they are um, they are cunning, and they ha- are intelligent. Rats are super smart. And these rats have evolved to live in that environment, and they know what's what more than the people around them do. This job posting is not only asking for you to be somewhat bloodthirsty, but you are required to have a keen sense of humor because you're going to be the public face of the rat battle the big cheese. in New York. So you need a thick skin. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do want to um, say that a job posting that's this creative and clever and funny, we owe a debt of gratitude to millennials for this kind of thing. You did not used to see this kind of uh, playfulness until millennials began rolling into positions of management and power. I think that a millennial wrote this ad. It gets your attention. They know what they're doing. They, they were born digital. They understand how to grab people's eyeballs. And I think that they're going to have a much better time hiring their general of rat operations because the ad is so playful and fun. Don't you? They're going to have to find a new way to get rid of them. I mean, just clobbering them or even putting down, you know, dangerous poisons in the uh, sewers and in the subways. I don't know if that's going to get the job done. Maybe some sort of a program where sterilization over the period of years. Uh, that's why they need effective. a rat czar. Yeah. That's, that's why, why they're hiring. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry books, swag, and the mother of all mothers merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. Sean Ross is a radio commentator, and he has put together the 150 most lost songs of all time. Most of these songs were from the 50s and 60s, and they were played for years and years as oldies on the radio, and now they are not played anymore. Songs from 2010 and beyond are still played all the time, but these are songs that are just not played because they were out a long time ago, and on the radio, there's just no real big audience for them. I'm going to read the top 10. You won't know very many of them, but you will know the person who is the artist who had many hits solo, who is the least played artist on radio today. So here's the top 10 songs that are just not played anymore. Wayne Newton, Daddy Don't You Walk So Fast. Sergeant Barry Sadler, The Ballad of the Green Berets. And a group called The String Alongs with a song called Wheels. That was an instrumental the sensations let me in uh you hear this song on the bob and sherry show in the background once in a while uh the good the bad and the ugly 
from the, it was a it was a movie of the same name. Chubby Checkers, Pony Time, which was a dance. The Highwaymen, Michael, rowed the boat ashore. Paul Muriot, uh, who was a French orchestra leader, Love is Blue. Elton John, Candle in the Wind, is almost never played on the radio anymore. And the song that is the least played is Percy Faith's Theme from a Summer Place from the teenage drama way back in the late 1950s. And who is the artist from, uh, I guess he was mostly popular in the 70s and 80s, and he is the least played artist who had hits, Donny Osmond. Oh, you're kidding. No, Donny Osmond. They, radio does not play Donny Osmond songs. Once in a while, the, I guess on some oldie station, they might play Donny and Marie. They had a couple of hits. But Donny Osmond. Do you, know what, do you know what I saw last week? I, I was driving my rental car from the Vegas airport toward my mom's place, and a uh-huh. giant billboard that had his picture, and it just said Donny, and then the name of the yeah. casino where he has the residency. And he yeah. looks exactly the same as he's always looked. He looks great. Yeah. And apparently he's killing it in Vegas. He's been doing that for years and years. He did it with his sister, and I think she she sort of semi-retired, and then he just took it on alone. But, you know, there are going to be women in their, what would you say, their 60s that remember when he was a teenage idol, and they just they go to Vegas and they want to see him. So they take their girlfriends and they go see Donny Osmond. I can think of a worse way to spend a night, you know, truly. Really? I can't. I mean, it's not my thing. You know, I was never like a Donny Osmond person, but yeah. I can. I mean, I can think of people whose shows I'd rather not see than a Donny yeah, Osmond yeah. show. I don't He's really know what they sing, other than like I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock and roll. But he was but, on Broadway, was he not? In Joseph yeah, and the Amazing. Yes, he was. He, He's he stitched together a bunch of different things: game That's show yeah. host, radio host. He's done, he's done a lot of different things. This is Bob and Sherry. Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Now, let's open up the Bob and Sherry Archive Vault. All right, I'm going to give you a choice. Would you like to know why I'm really, really worried about my own subconscious? Mm. Or how squirrels may be the reason that leprosy came to medieval England? (laughs) (laughs) Hit the chime, please. Come on. I'm going to hit the chimes with my head. It's under your paper. (laughs) So let me offer you again. These are your two choices. Why I'm deeply concerned about the state of my own subconscious or are squirrels the culprit behind the leprosy outbreak? Leprosy, oh please, leprosy, Sherry. (laughs) Call on me. I'm waving my hand. Call on me. Is there a third choice? There's no third choice. (laughs) You know, I really want to learn more about you. (laughs) But, um, you know, Mary raised those squirrels. That's why I'm kind of into a squirrel thing here now. This is my new way that I'm going to get history and science on this show. I'm going to give him unpalatable choices, and then he's forced to go, I choose history and science. This is actually fascinating. Um, Squirrels infected with leprosy 
brought the disease to medieval England along Viking trade routes, there was this wild craze like 1,100, 1,200 years ago for Scandinavian squirrel belts. And so the Vikings, the Vikings would bring them. That's a lot of work to, you know, give to give somebody a coat. The Vikings would bring them. See, they they dug up a skull that's 1,103 years old from somebody's garden Mm -hmm. in Suffolk, England. Mm -hmm. And they tested it, and they found that the skull was a skull of someone who had leprosy. And they identified the strain of leprosy. It was the same as other skeletal remains in Denmark and Sweden. And they said, oh, squirrel meat and squirrel pelts, which were like the filet mignon of their day, were traded by Vikings to people who lived in England at that time. They didn't have no squirrels in England? Well, these I got were a million Scandinavian squirrel pelts. Because for some reason, maybe, I don't know why, these were these were like awesome squirrels. Yeah. What do you huh. think about that? I'm just thinking about it now. I'm just so glad I didn't uh, live back then. We, we would I, not have done Oh, that. man. The plague. That was a Leprosy, bad way to go. Plus, like, no indoor plumbing. Sleeping sleeping on hay. No memory foam mattress. Nothing. That's right. You'd have to shake hands with lots of people who weren't washing. And, they, did not, and they, they would blow their... They didn't even have toilet paper. Oh, please. How much of the population... Do you recall off the top of your head? How much of the population... I wish Alexa were here. <laughs> how much of the population was wiped out in Europe from the plague? Ooh, Todd, can I you... I mean, was it like a third? Was that huge. was different than leprosy. Yeah, that was the Black Death. That's no, I, I know that. That's the plague. That's I know. Well, I don't want to invite either into my house. <laughs> but le- leprosy would kill you, right? Well, not necessarily. Really? But you would be ostracized. You'd have to go live in a leper colony and your nose could fall off. Like I said, you can choice live, is You can good. live without a nose. You know, you're right. You you uh, you can live with leprosy. Father Damien had leprosy. In the Hawaiian island of Molokai, he took care of people with leprosy there, didn't he? You could, you can, 200 million people died of the plague? Yeah, 75 to 200 million. So the population back then was probably, what, Less than it is now. Yeah, I mean, that was well, it'd probably be about two million people. So, yeah. But people, yeah, people live with leprosy. There are there are people with leprosy today. Really? I mean, it's been mostly contained. Mm-hmm. But every now and again, and I think it's really easily treatable now in ways yeah, there that are it wasn't. People with leprosy yeah. Hey, hey, is not another show on the planet? <laughs> <laughs> Let me say it again. <laughs> it's talking about squirrel not, meat not and ju- leprosy. Not, ju- not just in the format. Not just in the United States. I'm saying the planet. Not don't, one radio show. Don't you feel, don't hey, you want to hey, be unique? Bob, <laughs> 45 to 50% of the European population died during a four-year period with this. Wow, can you that, imagine? That's incredible. Half, almost half of your country, of, the, of, of Europe, wiped out in four years? Well, I mean, if you jump up to 1918 in the flu pandemic, the oh numbers were, were also devastating around the world. Is that right? Yeah, do that math real quick for me, Todd. You charming juggler, you. <laughs> the, the mortality rate of the 1918 flu pandemic, which also no other show in the world's talking about right now. <laughs> 
You know, I've noticed when we uh, find ourselves in these positions that we have this land all usually, to ourselves. There's usually one person who is presenting it. Well, aren't you interested? Yeah. Aren't you interested yeah. in like the yeah. history of the world and our species? And oh, yeah. as a man who keeps pet squirrels, don't you still have Melvin and Lucy living in your, your we tree? We don't know where Lucy went, but Melvin may be around. She left Melvin. Well, or she left the world. I mean, who knows? They don't have don't a long. Know. They don't have a long life. I mean, the, the Once idea. Once again, just keeping that good time feeling going for our audience. How much? Sixty to one hundred million people. And Fifty that was to one hundred million in nineteen eighteen. In 19, of the flu. Of the flu. 1918? Yes, 1918, the pandemic. 500 million people were infected with it. Dang. So, see, the more you know. I know. And when humble squirrel, Frisky the Nut Squirrel, can bring leprosy to an entire nation. It's a dangerous world. It's an important thing to know about. (laughs) Bob and Sherry. Leave us a talk back. Talk back with the free Bob and Sherry app. So, I have a new feature I'd like to do here on the Bob and Sherry show. And the name of the feature is... Which one is the creeper? All right. So the whole concept is I, I was looking at some sort of a news feed um, about actresses for the Golden Globes. And I said, well, I don't even know who she is. And I would pull up one of the actresses. I got to find out who she is. And then I noticed at the bottom of the story, after the story is finished, there are all these comments about the actress. And most of them are nice. But every once in a while... It gets kind of creepy. So I thought, is that just this actress? And I went, all right, I'm going to go over to my crush, who is Jennifer Conley, and see what men are writing about Jennifer Conley. So I found she's got like 10 different sites, I guess. Most of them are posted by not her, but some guy. And I landed on one, Hauntingly Beautiful. So there's a picture of Jennifer Conley and her beautiful long hair, and uh, she's got a uh, purple top on and uh, shorts. And here are the comments. Your job, Sherry, is to tell us which one is the creeper, it's the creeper. from the comments. Okay. All right. Okay. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're providing you with a gong. Hit the gong when the creeper arrives. Oh, I never get to hit the gong. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Here we it's go. usually Max's job. So, All right, here so, we go. Right. So just to be sure, the gong yeah. is hit when the creeper, but now Sherry is identifying the creeper or not identifying the creeper and relying on the gong. I'm going to use no, no, the no. gong to identify she the creeper. She uses the gong. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are we all set? Here we, we go. are set. All right. So that's that beautiful picture. She's in, uh, looks like purple shorts with a purple top. And uh, here are the comments. And they're almost all from guys. The first one is Clyde Wells. Beautiful woman. Dale Fisher. Beautiful. Todd Riley. Always loved her. She's got beauty, style. I know her uh, acting abilities. She's fantastic. Gary O'Brien says, super hottie, classy, and gorgeous. Mark Klein, one of the most beautiful actresses on the planet. Jeff Stewart says, beautiful, dazzling, enchanting. Denny Welch says, she is so beautiful. Matt Thomas says, absolutely stunning. Scott Philip McCurry says, she's so beautiful. Ivan. I'm surprised that there's no trolling. Like everyone is so nice in this comment thread. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Stewart says, are you so into yourself or would you consider someone else in your life? You look amazing, baby girl. 
You think that's the creeper? Well, setting aside the baby girl, which unless you're Mark Anthony and it's the Grammys, is a dead giveaway that there's something wrong with you. Setting Mm -hmm. that aside, opening with, are you so into yourself or is there room in your life for someone else? I know. I'm what getting going a real it dude's mind. Puts the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose kind of a feeling from a man baby girl. How yeah. could he number 1 think that she is first of all alone? I don't think she's probably been alone 1 minute of of her adult life. She is married. And let's say she was alone. What's the likelihood that Jennifer Conley is cruising one of these sites and saying, you know, I think I've been too much into myself. And this guy right here, he looks like he is into me. I need to be in contact. What's the possibility of that? What is going it's, through your head? And that doesn't even get into the baby girl thing. And by the way, I have never used the term baby girl once in my life even in the throes of passion. You've never used the term baby girl, and you had two baby girls, actual baby girls, like in diapers and little onesies. Yeah. Yeah. And you still didn't use the term baby girl. I did not. And you know what, Bob? When it's all said and done, you have that to be proud of. And don't let anybody take that from you. Thank you very much. Don't you let anybody take that from you. It's difficult to be a really beautiful actress these days. Baby girl. (laughs) It's Bob and Sherry. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate. Happy hour, 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. Tonight, it's Bob and Sherry. I saw our coworker, Tony, last week, and um, he and I went and had a drink together, and we were walking through, like, a shopping mall talking, and there was this store that had, like, the most outrageous crap in it really expensive like gigantic bronze statues of lions and crystal chandeliers and I'm trying to remember the name of the store I don't know who has I don't know who shops there it was like um it was like where you would go if you were going to decorate the most over-the-top Beverly Hills mansion in the universe I have Mm -hmm. no idea how a store like this is in business but we walked past it, and then I stopped and said to Tony, "We, I'm sorry, we, we have to go in there. I, have, I must see what else this store sells. How can you be in business selling this kind of crap? So we go in, and it is, it, it's unbelievable. It's like if you were in the mafia and you had just been given a suitcase full of cash, you might buy a giant statue of an enamel peacock that has light up eyes. It was that kind of place, <laughs> but everything was super, super duper expensive. So yeah. we're standing and I'm saying to Tony, would you look at this? Who in the world would have this? And I'm covertly taking pictures on my phone. The man who runs the store approaches us. Hello. And how can I help you? And I just did not want, Oh, we're just, you know, we're just looking. So, um, I was like, Oh, well, you know, it's an amazing store. And he goes, what brings you in here? And I put my, Armor through Tony's and I said, you know, we've been doing the long distance thing for a while, but we're getting no. closer and we're getting closer and closer to finally being able to live our dream. Tony has family in Puerto Rico, so we're building a little house there and we just want it to be magical. And then he proceeds to try to sell us like a thirty thousand dollar. Did you really chandelier. do this? A hundred percent. If you don't believe me, get Tony on the phone right now. He will back me up. 
as as the guy is telling us, you know, these are the very same crystal chandeliers um, they have in Buckingham Palace. And I turned to Tony and said, wouldn't that be special for our little love nest? I mean, wouldn't it be lovely? And Tony's like, I, I, can't, I could not agree more. We played the whole thing completely straight-faced, deadpan. Um, and he said, oh, so where are you two coming from? And I, and I said, well, he's been in Denver and I'm in the Carolinas and gosh, it's been hard being apart. <laughs> this is so not you playing around with somebody like this. Are you and then you and me? then you walked out. You walked out without buying one stick of furniture. Was the guy sad? When I, the I mean, left? I live for this kind. Well, I said to him, I was like, you know, we're just in the um, we're just in the looking phase right now, the daydream phase. And he gave me his card. His name is Sam. And he gave me his card. And he said, "When you are ready, I am here." And, <laughs> and Tony and I looked lovingly <laughs> at each other. We're like, <laughs> it's all so <Excuse> exciting. <coughs> When you are ready, I am here. I'm here. <laughs> it was so fun. And Tony, Tony was like, we walked out of there laughing, and Tony was like, you beat me to it. If you didn't do it, I was gonna. So we both had the same idea. Because when you're in a store like that, you're clearly not going to be buying anything. I don't even know. Like, Do you sell well, one giant is. lion statue a month to keep the lights on? I have no idea. There was yeah. nothing in that store. Nothing in that store you could afford. And all of it was insane. Like, remember um, Cher's house in Clueless? You know, with the giant oil painting of her mother. Oh, yeah, yeah, Charlie's yeah. Angels. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that would be in a house like that. Giant mm-hmm. statues. Like, like chandeliers this, the, half the size of a small car made mm-hmm. of the same crystals, Buckingham Palace. And when he told us about the Buckingham Palace thing, how these are the chandeliers that hang in Buckingham Palace, I gave Tony my most loving mistress look like, oh, and I and I said to Sam, I deserve like, it. Know. I said, you know, I think everyone probably looks beautiful under this light. And he says, you are very wise. You you do when you go into a store like that, and and it's true. They're almost always empty, right? And you look over at the aqua-colored elephant that's holding up the big piece of glass that's a coffee-slash-cocktail table, and you look at it, and the elephant without the glass is $12,000. And, and you just say, what's the likelihood of anyone Walking by this store, looking in and saying, there's an aqua elephant in there holding up a piece of glass. That's a table. i got to see like, this. And then the 12 grand doesn't phase them. I know those people are out there. I know they are. I know. The, oh, they are. Oh, they totally are. It's just. Maybe he sells and, online. And and by the way, like whatever your taste is, like my house is a hot, chaotic mess right now. Like there's literally my kitchen's torn apart, boxes everywhere because I've been organizing stuff. Like, there's not even room for a giant aqua elephant coffee table in this house. So whatever your whatever your jam is, you get one spin on this planet. You decorate however you want, sis. But I have to say, I don't understand. I don't understand these kinds of numbers where you have so much money that you say, you know what would look amazing by the front door? That $22,000 bronze cheetah. Like, who? I know. Who is this? It's again. This. this was this was in Vegas. This was a mall. Yeah. This was a mall in Vegas. Well, 
you know, you're going to have some entertainers coming through there and you're going to have some high rollers. It's and, I think it's the high rollers. Yeah. The high rollers. Right. I don't know how much money I would have to win. Like, let's say I, I push that button on the slot machine and I am the jackpot winner and I have just won a million dollars. Here's what I am not buying. A life-size metal giraffe with light-up <laughs> eyes. I'm just not getting that. That's not my first thing. But if it's your first thing, you go, girl. It's Bob and Sherry. The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Sherry app. Sherry was just telling us about an experience she had in Las Vegas with uh, Tony, who is our uh, sales manager, general manager, main guy. And you went into a store. Tell the folks what the store was and uh, what you remember about it. It was a store filled with enormous, larger-than-life, giant metal statues of various things and crystal chandeliers and clocks and knickknacks. One of the items that we looked at was, um, it's taller than me, it's a frog smoking a cigar. He's wearing red pants, Bob, so very relatable for you, I think, and a blue waistcoat, and he's leaning on a golf club, and he was only $17,000. Why I didn't pick him up right then and there? I do not know. Okay, so you were saying, who are the people that buy these things? And I I know who they are. A lot of them are in show business, especially in Las Vegas. Barbara Walters passed away a few days ago, and so there were all these clips. You probably saw some. She, of course, was a news anchor on ABC. She started The View and did so many things. And one of the clips was that I saw in my feed, Barbara Walters interviewing a woman named Phyllis McGuire, Phyllis McGuire was one of the McGuire sisters, and the three of them were as big as Miley Cyrus. Think of three Miley Cyruses. They were the biggest singing group in the country. And then she, for some reason, started dating the number one mobster in America, Sam Giancana, and their career crashed. Well, years later, she was a solo act, and she did okay. Barbara Walters wanted to find out, why did you date this gangster? and went to her house and the cameras walk into her house in Las Vegas, Phyllis McGuire's house in Las Vegas, into this enormous, enormous living room. And in the living room is a replica of the Eiffel Tower. And it is the size of a two-car garage. It's like having the Eiffel Tower in your living room. And you walk under it to go into the dining area. I've never seen anything like it. I can't imagine what it costs to construct. And it's made out of metal, just like the Eiffel Tower. There is no money like brand new stupid money. Am I right? Boy, you can spend you some stuff when you got some brand new stupid money. Hmm. Yeah. Makes you jealous. Makes you wish you had it, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. 
Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10.